is up, everybody? Welcome back. It is our ninth episode. I hope you're ready. I hope you're excited because we're about to enter the danger zone. Let's go, buddy. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you're happy to be here. We have um, Caleb Stewart back. I've returned. We have Jacob Calloway. We're missing Hunter yep. today, but we are joined by the amazing Micah Beckwith. Man, it's good to be here. You guys are awesome. That was like the most intense, awesome, epic intro ever. I love that theme song. That's, I was like, this is going to be a really good podcast because of the music. Because mm-hmm. you so, picked it out. Well, don't. Well, okay, I did it. pick it out. Yeah, but, it strong. Hey, you know what? Don't let me down. Okay, this better be Sweet. good. This better be good. Yeah. So, Micah, you want to... Tell, tell us a little about yourself. Well, yeah. So I uh, was born at a very young age, and uh, nice, I nice. Was, uh, was born in a little town called Hillsdale, Michigan, up in south-central Michigan. There's a college there called Hillsdale College. Uh, I ended up going to college in Huntington, Indiana. That's how I became a Hoosier and met my wife there. She's from Noblesville, got married. Uh, I'm a pastor. I really geek out on politics and American history, and I love to uh, just debate uh, concepts with people. I, I love looking for the truth, finding truth, and defending truth. So those are kind of my, kind of the cores of who I am, what God has kind of inspired me and created me to do. So that's what I do, and some people love it, some people hate it, but... <laughs> It's never a dull day. Yeah, what a stud! Hey, and then, you know, Micah, you also right. have your own podcast called Jesus, Sex, and Politics. That's right. And that's <laughs> that's right. And that's and I, know, the, I know you guys are pretty young here, so uh, maybe we have to bleep out the word sex. But it is Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, sex, and politics. And you know, God made sex, guys, and uh, it's a really good thing. Now, all of you in this room should not know that at this point in your life. And if uh, we have to have a conversation uh, afterwards as your pastor, I'm going to tell you, uh, you should not know that until you meet your lovely wife and get married. And then you're going to be like, yeah, sex is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is. All right. I'm sorry. Like, our mom would love this. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome. It's a good thing Hunter's not here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That'd be a bad (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Jacob, you want to tell us about our topic? Or Caleb, you want to tell us about? <laughs> yeah, Caleb's got it. Jake, Caleb's Jake's got playing it. on his phone right yeah, now. He's, he's on. Uh, he's he's on world. the Snapchats or the uh, TikToks the or the the Insta Facebooks or whatever you guys do these days. All the kids are doing. So, what's the new app that everybody like is is like down with like, TikTok? Right. Like, really I mean, like, well, yeah. What's new? They I know just TikTok. Launched a new one. I'm more I think of a, we're obsessing over. Like, what I don't is know what it? It's called, Discord. But. Discord. What is Discord? <laughs> Discord has been here for ages. It was a joke. Discord it was is a like joke. a chat for like gaming and stuff like that. Oh, gotcha. So you would gotcha. really like it. Well, Caleb, you like Tinder. You were telling me about Tinder. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, do. <laughs> I do indulge in Tinder from time to time, yeah. Is that the swipe left, or swipe right? Is that like, what is that one? Like, swipe left if you think the person's attractive, swipe right. I think know. it's swipe hey, right. Be honest? So they have a bunch of these like college like apps to help you meet your roommate. And the first thing I thought of when I downloaded it was Tinder. Oh, yeah, for real? we have one yeah. exactly like that for iWoo. It's like a and dating it's app. You swipe <laughs> on people that you think you would be friends with. No it's way. It's so weird. So wait, How so do you figure that out? And though? then you can pick them to be your roommate? Just well, like, I mean, if you talk to them a little bit about it, like if you just oh, like, like direct messages and stuff. Yeah, you, you, oh. can't like, you can't like pick them without their permission. Right. Uh, okay. I thought it was just you look at 
look at him is like, oh, this guy's hot. I can be friends with him. <laughs> that would be a co-ed well, living kinda. space. And I hope that whatever college you're going to is not co-ed dorms. So, or like yeah. co-ed living. Are, listen, I know there's co-ed dorms, but like there, we haven't like uh, slipped down the depravity of morality in America yet to the point where there are co-ed rooms. Are there? No, I don't think no. so. Okay, good. Yeah, good. but I won't be surprised. If well, they, I was going to say, we're yeah, probably heading that direction, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that that's good that we're not there yet. So, mm -hmm. Caleb, you want to go about the topic now? <laughs> <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, the importance of American history and teaching it in schools. I do believe Ben, right? <laughs> I just uh, got this why it's important. 20 yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> I am Ron Burgundy. Why? <laughs> why it's important for our generation and like future generations to. Um, learn about the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, American history, all that kind of fun stuff. Fun. Basically is the topic. I probably should have introduced the topic instead of putting that on you. That's my bad. Yeah. I mean, I just learned that we're talking about this literally today while I was working. So. Which is amazing. Because <laughs> I, I learned wanna... like five minutes ago. So <laughs> okay. We're okay. What I want to do is I want to uh, quiz you guys here pretty soon on your constitutional uh, knowledge, American history history knowledge and caleb i think you're gonna do really good no i'm gonna do really bad my mom didn't teach me a lick of american history <laughs> melissa didn't teach you a lick of american history Whoa, name dropping wow wow caleb you're Dang. probably the biggest name dropper on the podcast i have honest. not name dropped oh no single. that's hunter that's never hunter. mind i actually okay in hunter's defense whose name has he your girlfriend's dropped? Okay. <laughs> I guess that's true. But oh, one other. Oh snap! Um, I can't remember because I've dropped a name or two. Yeah, your sister. Oh yeah, yeah it I was did that. Sister. Um, but my mom is a wonderful lady. She was a great teacher, but I don't remember a lot of American history. To you were homeschooled, honest. right? I was homeschooled. Yeah. Do you know what you a circle tell. is? Huh? Do you know what a circle is? A circle? Yeah. It's a sphere. Okay, I'm just, I'm just asking. What are, you, what are you doing, Mike? <laughs> I'm getting my constitutional facts and quizzes out. I teach constitutional class, Caleb. I'm going back to my quizzes. I want to want to see like how I'm well you do. School. Yeah, you are, man. I'm about ready to school you. Are you just for school me? You. Are you just asking me? I really wanted to. Like, who was um, the first president? Who was the first president? John Adams. Kings, George Washington. <laughs> I was like, wow. dude, he's sitting right behind wow. you. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Okay, let's do this. I thought you were. I know the about 18th president. Who? What? The what? 18th president. Who? Ulysses S. Grant. Right. You tell me. You Is don't that know right? that. Is that right? I'm pretty sure it's right. Uh, I, 16th, I have no clue. Well, the 16th was uh, Abraham, Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. And so, so yeah, it would be Andrew Jackson. And then it would be the Ulysses S. Grant. Woo! Which, by the way, I saw somebody the other day that looked a lot like Ulysses S. Grant. Really? Yeah, really? I did. I, I seriously did. I wanted to go up and tell him and say, dude, you look like our 18th president. <laughs> was he an okay. older guy? Or? Uh, well, I mean, about the age of Ulysses S. Grant. So <laughs> We so, all know his yeah. age, too. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, so let me let me start off here because we're talking about why it's important to understand the constitutional history or the American history and our Constitution and Declaration of Independence. So the first thing I want to say is why, because I know some people are not like history people in schools and students like, maybe like, oh my gosh, American history is so boring. The reason we stress history so much in our culture is because 
we see this in scripture too. God says, you got to know where you came from so that you can know where you're going, right? So if you look back, the Lord always told the Israelites, uh, build memorials and monuments. You know, they crossed the, the Jordan. The Lord gave, like, made the Jordan the dry land. And the Lord said, hey, build a memorial. Remember this, you know. The Passover dinner is a, is a memorial. It's a, it's a memory of what God did to bring the people out of Egypt. We take communion as a as a remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross. But we got to know history or else we will lose our way. So American history, world history is really, really, really important. And you see it now more than ever in our culture where your guys' generation, they don't know history. So no wonder they do some of the dumbest, like stupidest stuff like out there. I mean, no joke, your culture, your generation is the generation that's pushing this idea that men, biological men can be women and biological women can be men. Like how stupid is that? If you would go back, 20 years from like 20 years ago and like say hey hey by the way like there's going to be this movement where like your biology is going to be totally up to you you can change whatever you want about your identity you could be a man identifying as a woman and compete in women's sports if you would have said that even 20 years ago people would have laughed you literally off of whatever platform you were on and yet here we are and I hate to break it to you, but Gen Z is probably one of the strongest pushers of those stupid ideas. Well, it's because they don't know their history, mm -hmm. right? They don't understand. They don't know biblical history. They don't know American history. And they don't know world history. And so I think that's the problem that we see within culture today is people don't know history. So I love that you're doing this, Ben, and you invited me on this podcast because, uh, you know, this, I think constitutional history is a really big, big part of what we, um, what, what, where we're going in America, if we don't know it, then we're gonna we're we're bound to lose our freedoms if we don't understand where they came from. So the first question I want to ask, and I hear this all the time, is super super annoying. Are we like people say, hey, you know, we are a, and what do they say often, like when it comes to our form of government, like we are a democracy. democracy. <laughs> yes. No, that's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> People say we're a they democracy. They say we're a democracy. No, but I finished your sentence. You did finish the sentence, so you were right on that. For that. But what are we, Caleb? What are we? Because we're not a democracy. Such than our republic. Good. Bingo. And <laughs> galactic. And what kind of republic? <laughs> what kind of republic? Galactic. <laughs> so, no. so what kind of republic? Uh, the bad one. Okay, no, that's no, that's not it. No, it's a constitutional republic. Ah. So a republic is. It, why don't we want to? Why don't we want to be a democracy? Like, what's what's the problem with democracy? Are you asking me? I'm asking any one of you brilliant minds in this room. I just want to hear Caleb's <laughs> answers. These are fun. What? What do you mean? Why? <laughs> He's like a lactic republic. Yeah, and we we can like we can censor this one from your mom. Like we can keep we can keep her from listening. I don't so. think that's possible. You, I don't know. There just has to be some kind of thing. Just you're on it, she's going to want to listen to it. No, that's not why. She's you know I think she's given up on your guys' podcast. Is what she told me in the office the other day. Yeah, she did. Oh, she I don't mind. Did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She didn't say that. No, but she I'm did. sure she loves it. <laughs> I'm sure she loves it. Okay, no, but seriously, what? So, what kind of, or what's the difference? What What is a democracy? A democracy. Let me answer that for you guys. <laughs> okay, but, all right. <laughs> why is everybody looking at me? Just me. This is annoying. I looked at Jacob. I looked at Jacob. Look at it looked like he was going to say something. All right, so Jacob, what were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say that. So, is it a democracy where everyone gets a say, uh, or is it where you vote people? 
Who the, then that's the republic. Decision. So okay. republic is you have representatives who go and make decisions on your behalf, and you vote on the people that are that are representing you. Okay, and and uh, a democracy is basically the better best way to describe a democracy is mob rule. Okay, so a democracy's mm-hmm. and and it's it leads to mob rule. I shouldn't say every democracy is 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 instantly mob rule, but that's really what it is. It's 50% or 51%. The majority, Mm -hmm. uh, wins the day. So let's just look at it this way in a democracy, like in this room right now, there's four of us in this room, a democracy would say like, it's me, Ben and Jacob. And we say, Hey, we're going to, um, kill Caleb and steal all this stuff. Right. And Caleb, (laughs) Caleb gets a vote too. Right. And obviously he's going to vote. No, I don't want you to kill me and take all my stuff, but, the three of us say, no, we're going to kill you and take all your stuff. We win in a democracy and there's nothing you can do about that. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's why democracies really are not good. And it leads to that kind of stuff. If the mob says, we want to take your house, we want to come for you. There's nothing you can do about it. It's really mob rule. Our founders knew this. They didn't want mob, mob rule. They wanted a, a controlled, uh, way that the people still had a say, but it didn't give this instant, uh, like it didn't lead off the cliff of, of destruction when it came to like, there was you know, still like structure around it. There was still structure. Yep. So they, they established a Republic, not any kind of Republic, a constitutional Republic, which means the constitution keeps the, those who represent us in check. Okay, so so the Republic is underneath the authority of the Constitution. So I want everyone to know this first and foremost. The Constitution is not the law that governs you and I. Like, we are not in government, guys. Constitution does not affect you and I from bounds. Like, it doesn't, it was not put in place to keep you in check or me in check. Mm-hmm. The Constitution was put in place to keep the government in check or those who govern. So it is the law that governs those who govern. And then those who govern, based on that law, the Constitution, will make laws that govern the people, okay? So we submit to the laws that the lawmakers make, but they need to submit to the law of the land, which is the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And what happens is a lot of times these representatives uh, that are supposed to go and legislate on our behalf, they step outside their authority under the Constitution. When that happens, then we have a job as the people to rebel and to defy their authority because they've now removed themselves from the ultimate authority of our land, which is the constitution. And going back to scripture, God says he places up authority in our land. And I want everyone to know that Romans 13 does not mean in America's context that Joe, uh, that Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anyone, the mayor of Noblesville, whatever it is, whoever you're talking about in office, the governor of Indiana, Romans 13 does not say or in in Americans in the American context does not say that those are our authority. That's not our authority in our land. Joe Biden's not the authority that God has placed up over you and I. God has placed up over you and I this authority called the Constitution that then that we the people actually establish. So really in America, we are Caesar. The people get to be Caesar. So we the people govern, we're self-governing. So really in America, God has raised you and I up. And we submit ourselves to the law that the govern those who are governing create. But when they make laws that are ungodly, unjust, unconstitutional, we have a right as the people to say, oh, I'm rebelling against your authority because 
It's not even your authority. It's my authority, and you're abusing my authority as we the people. And that's where so many people got that messed up in the church world. It was drove me nuts. I heard pastors all, all over the country say, well, during COVID, um, the governor told me I had to shut my church down. Well, first and foremost, God's word says opposite. And secondly, the governor doesn't have that authority to do that because the Constitution strictly forbids him from doing such action like that. And so, but people said, well, according to Romans 13, when the governor says, I have to do, do something like this, I have no choice. No, you just don't know what the authority of the land is. So yeah. that's why it's super important to understand the structure. Now, when Paul was writing Romans 13, he was not under a constitutional republic. He was under a totalitarian dictator at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. You saw uh, Caesar, you saw Nero. They were, they were dictators. All right. So this, like the, every, the Caesars were, the authoritarians of their day. So really, Paul, if you really want to step into a context and apply Romans 13 the way Paul had to apply it or was saying to to honor and submit to authority, you would look at the church maybe in like Iran right now as being in a similar type spot where there was an ungodly, tyrannical dictator or authoritarian rule that was basically hostile towards the church. The church didn't have any authority back in Paul's day. And in Iran, the church has the Church of Jesus Christ has no authority in their government. But praise God, we live in the United States of America where we were built on biblical principles and there was a constitution that was set up so we the people can govern. But we could be giving that away in the next few years if you guys don't rise up and, and begin to to be the beacons of of uh, truth in our culture. So so that's a little bit of a, you know. I don't know. That's an intro monologue there for you. So. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you're welcome. Very impressive. You're welcome. So let's dive into the quiz because I'm curious. Oh, the quiz. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. All right. So, um, okay. When was the Constitution signed? <gasps> July. July. Fourth. July 4th. July 4th. 1776. Wrong. <laughs> See the Constitution. What what was signed oh. on July fourth, seventeen seventy six? Independence. Yeah. The Declaration. Of Independence. Okay. Yes, that is, that is Independence Day. Correct. The Declaration of Independence. So this leads me to a question: What's the difference between the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution? Uh, Declaration of Independence was separating ourselves from England. Yeah. That's right. And Constitution was like creating the boundaries for the government. Yeah, that's good. That's actually really good, Jacob. Um, so the Declaration. I, I like to say it this way: the Declaration is the what is the is the why behind liberty, okay? So in the Declaration, you have this beautiful, poetic, uh, stick-it-in-your-eye King George kind of kind of uh, document that basically says, hey, King George, you, you're not allowed to do what you're doing because God, our creator, created all men to be free. And for liberty to, be, uh, to flourish, we are going to now defy you. So it was the why we were saying we were free people. Then the Constitution, which was actually signed uh, uh, on September 17th, 1787, so this was over 10 years later that the Constitution was signed. This is the how to, to maintain that liberty that the Declaration of Independence laid out. And there's three main points that the government in the Declaration of Independence uh, says, or that, the, that our founders say that the government's job is to secure these, these three uh, main inalienable rights. It's life liberty and the pursuit of happiness right before it was pursuit of happiness it was actually written life liberty and property because if you didn't have life 
if you couldn't, if the government wasn't defending your life, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have liberty. And if the government wasn't defending your liberty, you'd have no property. And the founders believe that property was was uh, the the key to actually being able to pursue your own happiness. You you own something. If you don't own property, you can't be free, right? So you're you're a ma- you're a slave to a master somewhere. Yeah. So so, but that's why they, it changed the pursuit of happiness because that's what they were that's what they were saying. So the Constitution was signed twelve years later, seventeen. 17- 87 September 17th and um and so that uh, that was good um it was you know you guys were kind of mm, you're, you're kind of close you, you knew the declaration of independence uh let's see uh, what other questions do i have here um okay how many individuals signed the constitution the constitution not the not the declaration of independence <laughs> okay 39 that's right Oh, no <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> Government wow. class, Mr. Watt. Amazing. Shout out. <laughs> How many people signed the Declaration of Independence? More people know that one because that's a little bit more famous. Uh, and you got the guy who signed really big. Really big? Yeah. Do you know that? The Declaration of Independence, not yeah. the Constitution. Why is everybody looking at me again? <laughs> hey, so Ben hasn't said anything. Okay, okay. Ben hasn't yeah, said anything. Ben, ben, ben has not said a Come single on, ben. word. He's the most political guy here, too. That's not true. Mike is the most political guy here. Young guy. Sorry, Mike. Hey, whoa. <laughs> Damn, yeah, Mike is not old. Are you a Hot's millennial? Fired. Are you technically I'm a, a millennial? I'm a millennial. Yeah. Really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I was born in 1982. I think millennials were 1980. And and it was uh, 1980 to 2000 and something. So it was what the millennial generation was. Hmm, and then geez. it was Gen Z. Z? Z, yeah, then yep. Gen Z, and now what are you guys? Are you no, still we, Gen Z? We are Gen Z. You are Gen, Gen Z. Z? Yeah. That's got to be coming up to an end though, pretty soon. Yeah. Like, yeah. Was it an, Gen X? Now? It's kind of a boring name. No, though. Gen X was before millennials. I think. No, there's there's something else because I think my youngest sister falls in the next category. Yeah, I don't know. Gen like Gen, Gen identify Gen, Gen Gen identify whatever you want to identify as. So, <laughs> nice. Um, I remember there was something saying like. Generation I, okay, because okay. of all the technology. Oh, so. maybe that's maybe that's know. what it is. Yeah, that that sounds right. But okay, well, anyway, so going back to the the right, right, Declaration right. of Independence, how oh. many signers? How many signers? Yeah, sign the Declaration of Independence. I think it's fifty six. <laughs> <laughs> fifty six. That was a great answer, man. Good job. No, nope. and the and the one who <laughs> the one who said. Uh, the one who said the uh, who signed the biggest, uh, his name the biggest was who. We always say, put your blank John on Hancock. John Hancock. You know why he signed so big? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh no, nothing. You're asking why he like? Yeah, why did he write his name so big? Because he wanted the uh, king to see him. Yeah, and the king was known to have poor eyesight, so he was like, "I'm signing my name super big so that King George will know I'm one of the signers." And what those guys did when they signed their name on the Declaration of Independence, which you have to remember, is they were putting targets on their back, okay? Because they knew the king was going to cancel them. It was the ultimate cancel culture. Many of them were were uh, caught and imprisoned. Uh, some were killed. Uh, their families were imprisoned and tortured. Uh, their properties were burned. I mean, it was literally like it was it was cancel culture on steroids when they when they put their name to that paper. They were basically signing their death warrants. They were mm-hmm. telling King George, you know, go go pound sand, and we don't care what you give me liberty or give me death, kind of type thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was really like 
amazing. And these were like very wealthy individuals who had good lives. Many of them were, mm-hmm. and and they were, you know, a lot of them were well established within the British uh, colonies, and they they could have just kept their their heads down and just said. Hey, I'm just going to go along to get along because it's going to go like I just want to like keep the peace for my own well-being. But they said no for our pro- our posterity. Um we're we're going to do what's right. Caleb, what's posterity? Posterity? Yeah. Not prostate. Posterity. <laughs> posterity. Word of origin, please. <laughs> it's your kids and your children's children. It's oh. your future generations. Your kin? Your Can you kin. Just say kin. Yeah, your kin. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. What what are the three branches of government? Ooh. That the constitution. Judicial. We can all get one. Executive. Boom. Ben. Le- legislative. legislative. <laughs> there you go. Wait, wait, wait. No, judicial, legislative, and Ex- Jacob literally just Ex- said the one. I, I just said it. Wait. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Wait, I didn't hear you. Executive. Well, now you gotta guess it. Executive. I got all of them. Awesome. Good job. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> Great job. Yeah. So there's the uh the the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. And that is laid out in the Constitution in what we call articles of the Constitution. Okay. Uh the Constitution has basically seven main parts to it, seven articles. All right. And articles one, two, and three lay out how those three branches of governments are going to work and they're going to function and what their authority is going to be and what their authority, more importantly, is not going to be, right? So it limits them. And there's there's this idea of separation of powers, okay? Because back in Britain, the king was basically all of those. The king could be the lawmaker. He could be the executive. He was the commander of the military. He could enforce the laws. And he was also the judge. And he could be the one who uh, is judicial and, and make sure that the laws are staying within the context of of the law, right? And mm-hmm. And... And so, but the founders were like, this is bad when one person has all of that power. So we need to separate it out, have three branches of government that all hold each other in check. Um, And that's what we see play out many times. The White House might be fighting the Congress. And that's actually a good thing. Like you, you, like whenever there's disagreements in those branches, that's exactly, that's doing exactly what the founders envisioned because they're holding each other in, in check, right? The most powerful branch of government is article one, which is the legislative. All right. They, there's 435 members of Congress, right? Or representatives. And there are a uh, hundred senators. And so 535 members of Congress right now. And they, and those, that those numbers increase based on population and the house representatives. So it's gone up over the years. Now, senators, we've always had two senators per state. So, you know, as long as we have 50 states, we'll have a hundred senators. So um, all that to say the legislative, the Congress is the most powerful branch of government and states follow the same model. So state constitutions are very similar there. Each state has its own legislature and those are the most powerful in the state. And then there's an executive, the executive's job, which is with the white house or the president or the governor or the mayor or in the counties. When you talk about County government, it's the, uh, it's the commissioners in Indiana. They're called commissioners. Not every state is set up the way we're set up in Indiana, but but to this effect, they're going to have executives. Okay, the executives carry out and enforce the law. Okay, so that you know the mayor is over the police force, the governor is over the state troopers, uh, the president is over the military. So like you see, like those are the that's the teeth to enforce the law. But they can't make law; they just get to enforce it. And then the judicial branch gets to interpret the law as written by those who wrote it. They're not supposed to be partisan shouldn't really matter about political party literally is just saying hey this is what the person who wrote the law 
who was duly elected by the people when they wrote the law. This is what the law meant. It stays within bounds of the constitution of the greater law, right? It can't, you can't have someone who gets elected and writes, you know, it can't have a whole legislature write a really bad law. That's not constitutional yeah. and, and a bad governor or president sign it in the law. Um, the, the judicial branch will say, whoa, 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 you guys are outside the, the bounds of your constitutional authority. So, so that's the, that's the big, um, the, that's, that's what the judicial branch is supposed to do. And it is the weakest branch of government. And that's a good thing. The judicial branch should be the weakest branch of government. Uh, in our culture, we've seen it kind of explode into being a, one of the more, or if not arguably the most powerful branch of government. That's not what our founders envisioned and wanted. So, um, so anyway, all right. So those are like the three articles. Um, uh, the first three articles they do they deal with the first they deal with the three branches of government. Okay, um, let me let me ask another question here. So, um, how many amendments do we have in the Constitution? Twenty seven. Nice, good job. What is the twenty seventh amendment? Like, what was it? Wait, no, 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 no. I can get it. it was made in nineteen ninety two, right? Okay, yes. But what did it deal with? I know. It put restrictions on congressional salary. Yeah. Oh, Good. yeah. I was never getting yep. that. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, um, so there's this argument that like the Constitution is a living document, uh, and it should be interpreted based on the times. All right. I'm not of that. I'm not of that mindset. I think that's not correct. But it's also not. It's also not unchangeable. So it's not like Scripture, where Scripture we don't change. It's God's word. Mm -hmm. God's word. He decides what. It is and what it's not, when he says it, it is, nobody's changing it or should change it, right? Um, the Constitution can be changed. It's been changed 27 times, right? So what I like to say is the Constitution is, it, it, it should always be in a comatose state, all right? So we are, we, we see the comments, we, we, we wake it up enough to change it based on the culture if we can get two-thirds of the of the Congress to agree to this and to the, and the people basically essentially two thirds of the country more or less to agree to this, we can change the constitution. Okay. But it's a pretty high threshold to be able to change the constitution. Mm -hmm. Then we, then, but we can do that. We've done it 27 times. And then we put it back into the comatose into this, into being in the coma essentially and say, okay, now you're asleep again. We don't touch you. Like we're not going to change this. We're not going to, you know, interpret this, um, you know, based on the times it is what it is. If we want to, if the times are changing and we want to, we, we were like, Oh, this is a little antiquated or outdated. Okay. Well make your case to two thirds of the nation and then change the constitution. But if you can't do that, don't try to, don't try to like tweak it with these little like state laws or these little federal laws that you do to a great example is the second amendment. This is a, they always go back to like people who hate the second amendment or want to put in gun, gun restrictions. Um, the right to bear arms was given to us in the second amendment. People will say, well, the founders didn't like have like AR-15s assault rifles, right? And, uh, and that doesn't even, AR doesn't even stand for assault rifle. But they'll say like, you hear Biden say, weapons of war, weapons of war, right? All these, uh, that sounds more like Trump, but like Biden says like, you know, <laughs> weapons of war or, uh, you know, these guns that are assault rifles, assault guns. And, uh, and it's like, our founders didn't really know what was coming is the argument that they were making. So we should... We should change that through legislation. And my argument to them is like, okay, fine. You can make the argument that the founders didn't know it was coming, but then change change the Constitution. Like, mm -hmm. get rid of the Second Amendment or limit the Second Amendment or do whatever you want to do. And they don't want to do that because they know they can do that because 
there's too much support for the Second Amendment right now. So they just want to make it easy and legislate it away, right? And uh, and you can't do that. And and again, just so you know, like people will say, no one needs like thirty like thirty rounds, um, you know, or that many. <laughs> no one needs that many rounds to go hunting deer. And you know, my response is, yeah, the founders didn't write the Second Amendment because the deer were coming. It was the British were coming. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they didn't give us the Second <laughs> Amendment to uh, hunt. They gave us the Second Amendment to shoot the government. Like when the government becomes tyrannical, and I know that may mm-hmm. sound like violent, but yeah, it like it is. It is. That's yeah. I mean, it's true. It's very true. And and Thomas Jefferson said the the tree of liberty from time to time must be sustained by the blood of patriots and tyrants. Like they thought, literally, our founders they knew world history so so well. They based the Constitution off of the Magna Carta. Like that was their founding. That was their founding fathers, the Knights of the Magna Carta, back in twelve fifteen, and they. They knew that throughout world history, there was always bloodshed to defend or obtain freedom. And so, uh, so they thought every 20, 20 plus years or so, we were going to have, there, there was, we were going to have to have a revolution like we just went through in 1776 to overthrow even the government they were establishing because they said, man, there's nothing we're going to be able to really do to keep the government from growing too big, too fast and oppressing the people. The people are going to have to have guns so that when that happens, they can go and kill the, those in government. Mm-hmm. They can take them out violently with, with bullets and then put an end to them and then start over again and, and keep securing Liberty for their children that way. And we've just been fortunate enough that 200 and, uh, what is it, what is it? Two hundred and thirty four years later, like the Constitution has has stood the test of time. Most constitutions, well, we aren't the first nation to ever have a constitution, but the average lifespan of constitutions throughout world history is only seventeen years. Oh, wow. So, so God has really blessed America with you know, and we thankfully we haven't had to fight you know another revolution. Now we've had civil war, yeah. we've had great conflict, we've Most had calls. Yeah, we've had mm-hmm. to defend outside forces or against outside forces like you know adolf hitler and you know uh going back to um you know nazi germany or or even even the british back in 1812 like like they they weren't really our friends for a long time like Mm -hmm. they still didn't like us even after we gave them the boot the stanky boot and told told them to get out you know so yeah um so yeah we've yeah give them the old stanky boot all right um Okay, that's a lot of like questions and answers um, from Micah. But what are your guys' thoughts on this? Questions and answers. From yeah, because I asked you the question, but you guys didn't really answer. He answered about fifty percent of them. Okay, Jacob did. Thank you. Ben Ben did too. Yeah. Are you? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Caleb, well, what? It's all right. Is that homeschool? Hey, what? So okay, so yeah, what questions <laughs> do you guys have for me? That's like a really like that's a real quick thirty thousand foot view of the Constitution. And the Declaration of Independence. What, like, what, what are you guys thinking from your guys' perspectives, being Gen Zers? Um, <laughs> it's I a can, good constitution. I, can, I think I can ask you more questions. <laughs> uh, okay, I am very poorly prepared for this. Just as I said, I learned that we were doing this thirty, maybe. Well, Jacob working. had less time to repair. Yeah, and look nice. at him. He's doing awesome. Jacob, Real, okay. Yeah, dude. Real quick. Go for you, Jacob. What you were saying about the beginning, the Constitution is for, um, isn't specifically for us. It's yeah. like to help define and restrain the government. Exactly. So and those we who get have elected. the power. Yeah. And I think that's a, especially in our generation, 
something that has been taught differently mm-hmm. and how we view it differently. And it needs to go back to that. Yeah. Stop looking at your politicians and your elected officials as those who rule over you. You actually rule over them and the constitution is what keeps them in check. Right? So, mm-hmm. so we are, we, the people are above the constitution. The constitution then is what is above the politicians. Then the politicians make laws to govern society that then are uh, we allow to be placed over us, and it's this, it's this cycle, it's this, it's it's cyclic, or it's a, it's like a circle, right? You know, it's just, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so we, and then that that continues to go, right? And so as long as everyone stays within the bounds of their authority, then then you're good. And and just remember, when it comes to like, even if the president were here in the room, I would respect the office of the president, but I would recognize that I am over that office. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As a, as we the people. So I would, I would say like, not, not, and again, not to be disrespectful, but I would expect the president to work for me. You know, like if I own a business, I respect my employees, um, but I expect them to work for me and, and they need to do what I'm telling them to do. Well, you guys, you know, are, you're the boss to these politicians. So when you go in, you're talking to them, go in with that mindset, go in with that authority, right? Like, like respect them obviously, because God has called us to be respectful of those who who are in government, um, but but you are their ultimate authority. So so when you're talking to them, say, hey, I this is what I see in our culture in our society. This is what I believe needs to happen, and I expect you as my elected official to go and and do what I'm asking you to do. Now they they have a lot of people who they who are their constituents. So you may not align with them ideologically and they won an election based on who they are ideologically. So they may not listen to you because they're listening to, in the case of like a representative in Congress, they're listening to 800,000 people roughly. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but you could still go in with that mindset of, Hey, yeah, there's 800,000 of us, but we're all your boss. Right. And so, you know, I got some representative friends that represent me. And, and when I, you know, <laughs> I'll tell them sometimes like, dude, you work for me, like not the other way around. And for, you know, one of them, he's a good friend of mine, but he's the CEO of a really big business. And, yeah. he's, and he's not, I like when he steps into the public service office, he's got to actually recognize that now he, he doesn't become the CEO in government. Mm-hmm. He's the CEO in his business. And what he says goes because he's the dude, right? He's the authority. But when he comes in and puts on his, his government hat, well, now he's the servant. Okay. And he's here to serve those who the servant is never higher than the master is what Jesus says. Right? So when you step into public service, you have to see yourself as lower than those you serve. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens is these politicians step into public quote unquote service, but see themselves as Kings and Queens <clears throat> who are called to, who are not there to serve, but rather to be served to rule. And that's not good. That's not yeah. what our founders ever envisioned. I would say most people our age would, think that politicians we are kings and queens kings and queens not you know employees yeah yeah no and that's and you're absolutely right i agree with that 100 percent. like our 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 mindset has been warped over Mm -hmm. over the time and and that's that's how the politicians will become kings and queens like that's how you'll have uh you know a an elite ruling class is if we believe that they can be there like the only way it'll work is if we believe that they can do what they're doing because no one's really putting them in check. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're just doing whatever they want. So the question is, how do you put them in check, right? You could... you Vote could them out. 
Well, yeah. So let's just we'll start at the most extreme, right? Like obviously the Second Amendment is there to to you know violently take them out, right? Mm-hmm. But we we hope that's always the last resort. We never want that to be. We yeah. like nobody in the right mind says, "Oh, let's go to war." Right? War is yeah. hell. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't want war. Um, but that's what the Second Amendment is there for. The the emblem of the United States is a bald eagle, and its right talons it has a cluster of olive branches. It signifies its, that signifies peace, and then in its left talons it has a cluster of arrows that that signifies warfare. And its head is turned towards the olive branches, saying, we're, "We want peace. We'll, we'll be peaceful people, but when necessary, we're going to take up arms and we're going to we're going to go to war to defend that peace." Right? And that's what Jesus says in in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers Mm -hmm. for they will be called children of God. Right. So, um, you know, peacemakers are like God. Well, God is the God of war. I mean, Exodus 15, three says the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. God will fight for what he loves and he will kill for what he loves. We see this time and time again. He's not a God that will just be passive and be a pacifist. If you, if he must, he will go to war and he will wipe out evil that is oppressing the people or the, like the people that he loves. And so that's, that's one way, you know, the second amendment is there. And again, we always pray and hope that that doesn't come to that. And God's been good. And 234 years, we haven't had to do that. So hopefully we can do it for another 234 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then you, but then the other way is like you said, Jacob voting them out, right. Which is much more preferred. Like, okay, if you have a problem with your elected officials and you can vote them out, get good people in there that submit to the authority of the constitution and serve not rule. And so, um, so that's, that's the second way. The third way, which is what most people forget is that your voice is huge. Whether you realize it or not, you got to speak truth out into the atmosphere. You got to speak truth out into the culture. You've got to open your mouth and say what's true in order for anything to happen at all. And so most people just keep their mouth shut for fear of being canceled. But like the founders in the Declaration of Independence, like John Hancock, we should be the one out there saying, I want my voice to be the loudest voice proclaiming truth, proclaiming life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness so that every single person, whether they're blind as a bat Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they can see it, they hear it, they know it's me, and I'm going to speak it out with all I've got. So those are really the three main ways to influence. So how do you speak out, though? Like, what platform are you saying? Like, if you're using social media, you could get censored. Yeah, yeah. So whatever God's given you. Okay? So mm-hmm. it's different for every person. Um, like, you're a pastor. So, so God's given me a pulpit. Yeah. So I can speak out in the pulpit, Right. On Sunday mornings, you guys typically aren't going to be in the pulpit speaking out on the pulpit, right? But you guys got TikTok. I mean, even Ben. Uh, ben, you were, you were just saying you got a video on TikTok right now. It's got 60,000 views. Mm-hmm. That's that's influence. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't have TikTok. I can't do 60,000 views. I don't do talk of the ticks. Talk of the ticks. Hey, that's great. Yeah, uh, yeah I love that. Politics. Politics. Poly meaning many, ticks meaning blood sucking parasites. Also, <laughs> you might have TikTok, but what if TikTok censors like him speaking out over, you know, yeah, sure. Politicians? Well, that happens with me. I, I mean, I have a large Facebook. <laughs> I have a large Shocker. Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I have a large Facebook following. And, well, and back okay. in the summer, I was I was doing videos that were like two hundred thousand video like views on these videos, and. um and then all of a sudden it got like totally throttled back. And I think I was probably shadow banned. Um, and so I'm just like, all right, well, I'm still going to keep speaking out. And some people are still seeing what I'm saying and hear what I'm saying. And, 
And I don't have to be on social media to speak out. I can talk to you guys right now on a podcast. I can talk to you out in Walmart if I run into you. Hey, hey, Caleb. Hey, let's talk about the Constitution, you know, in the in third. Walmart? In Walmart. You know what I mean? Like, I probably just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> so it really depends. Uh, um, I heard a story today about Mother Teresa, and she was talking to the founder of Convoy of Hope who was interviewing her. And she said, um, she said to him, what are you doing? to help the poor and the needy and the orphan and the widow. And the founder of Convoy of Hope at the time was a young man, and he said, honestly, Mother Teresa, probably not nothing, probably not much at all. And she said, everybody can do something. Find out what that is and go do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would say to you guys and to everyone listening. Everybody can say something. Find out the truth and go say it, mm -hmm. wherever, wherever it might be. To your kids, Workplace. Workplace, school. social media, school, doesn't matter. Speak truth out into the atmosphere, and and somebody's going to hear it. Mm -hmm. might just be one person, but... Hey, that's one, that th one person. That one person could end up being president of the United States someday. And they look back and they say, I remember when you when that one person spoke truth to me, and it changed my life. Yeah. So Speaking of, when are you going to run for president, Micah? Uh, 20, uh, 30. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it on my calendar somewhere. I got to go back oh, and look okay. to see like what it says. Uh, let's see. Run for president. Yeah. No. Uh, if you want to give me like $200 million then you know, maybe it'll be sooner rather than later. That's the problem. Speaking on that, yeah. I'm going to touch on something. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So, um, I don't remember which amendment this was. I just know that. Hold on. Give me a second. Um, the amendment that made senators ha get elected by popular vote. Yes. So it used to be they were elected based upon state legislative. Yep. Yep. Um, and something that is not only in all elections, but specifically this one is a lot of people get elected based on how much money they can raise. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Um, that was the, uh, that was the 17th amendment, by the way. Okay. Yep. Yep. So it was, yeah. So that's a great, that's a good point. Um, Jacob, the, uh, it used to be that the state legislatures would vote on the two state senators up until the 17th amendment. And, and I want to go back to that at some point. Like I would love to see the states return to that. I would love to see the 17th amendment repealed. And, uh, I mean, we've done that before we repealed the 18th amendment, you know, with the 21st amendment. So I would love to see that state legislatures vote in and, and people say, Oh my gosh, Micah, you're, you're taking the will, like you're taking it away from the will of the people. No, you're actually not because you, your state, your state representatives can, can vote in your U S your, your U S senators and the Senate, the U S Senate was designed to represent the will of the states. Okay. So like, and states are governments. Okay. So states are legislatures and the founders wanted the house of representatives in Congress to represent the people. So it was this beautiful uh, collection of the people being represented in the House, the states being represented in the Senate, and they worked together to on behalf of both people and state. And and that was a that was a beautiful thing. And the reason that the House of Representatives had two year have always had two year terms is because the people coming to Congress in the House founders only wanted them to be there for two years because they they would typically ride on horseback get to washington they'd live in washington for just basically about two years and they would they would end up uh knowing the will of the people because they just came from 
from their communities. And then after two years, they're getting a little out of touch with their community now because they've been away representing them. So they go back, they pass the baton to somebody else and say, okay, I did my duty. I served in Congress in the House of Representatives. Now you, you know, Joe Smith, Caleb, you know, Caleb Stewart. Said duty. Duty, yes. I did my duty. I did my duty. Don't do it here. Duty. Uh, Sorry. All right. (laughs) And they said, and they said, now go, you go and serve and serve in the house for two years. And that's what it was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be these career long uh, jobs. Right. Yeah. And that, and then the Senate was elected to a six year term by the state legislatures in Congress because they were the diplomats. They had to work with foreign dignitaries. They needed to know kind of how the political game goes and everything like that. And they would be out in Washington for six years representing the will of the states. And and now what we have is we have basically two, in my opinion, we have two House of Representatives. The Senate is really just another House of Representatives because it's just the people voting in, you know, another representative. Mm-hmm. They don't really represent the state very well because the state isn't the one who's voting for them. Like, so why are they going to care if a state legislature says, hey, Senator so-and-so, we don't like what you're doing as the legislature. You need to change. They're going to be like, well, I don't answer to you. I answer to the people. That was never the founder's intent, and it should go back to that way because um, because it would it would really represent states then. And and again, states should really have more authority in all of this than, than the federal government. Mm-hmm. Federal government really should should be second in the authority structure, and states should, you know, the Tenth Amendment was was amazing because basically said to the federal government, hey, if you don't, if the the enumerated powers, if the powers that were given to you, if you don't see, if it's not those powers, you're not allowed to do it, okay? You got to send it back to the states for them to decide, which is exactly what's happening with Roe v. Wade right now, all right? It's it's not even outlawing abortion. You know, overturning Roe doesn't outlaw abortion in America. It just says, hey, the federal government has no business being in this debate. Right, yeah. so we're going to mm-hmm. throw back to the states, and guess what? States, you decide, which I think is the right call. Yes. The states should decide what their states want. Now, obviously, we should ob- defend life, and every state, in my opinion, has a duty to defend that life. Sure. But you know, it's not in the it's not in the Tenth Amendment. Is that funny, Ben? Ben, is that Caleb funny? Caleb was smiling about the word duty again. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you're laughing when we're talking about serious issues like <laughs> no, like abortion. Like abortion. <laughs> How dare you? It was. It was. Abort you. Oh, <laughs> Jacob! You shouldn't have said that, <laughs> man, dude. Right. That's not very nice. too far, not Jacob. Cool. Too far. Come on. The point man. I wanted to get by asking that question was: we're seeing that now that that the senators are not elected by the state, right? They're not answering to the state. Yeah. Now they're answering to the people the people yeah. or wherever the money's coming from. That's right? true. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I just want to run that by. Well, you. and there's a lot of money, like really any political strategist right now, if you're going to run for office, the first thing they're going to ask you is this question. I guarantee you, this is what they will ask. They'll say, how much money can you raise? That will be the, they won't ask you your understanding of the constitution. They won't ask you your ideology when it comes to Liberty, uh, they won't ask you, are you a capitalist or are you a communist? They won't ask you any of those questions. The very first thing they ask you is how much money can you raise? Yeah. And that's really sad. And we've gotten to a place in our culture where money buys elections. And now I blame the people just as much as I blame those who are behind 
the money as well. Because the people should know better than to just believe every little thing they see on TV or get in the mail. They need to be smart enough to actually know where to go to find out information on candidates. And if they were smart enough and would do that, then money couldn't buy elections anymore because it wouldn't matter how many mailers came to your house during election season. You would know, well, I'm not listening to the mailer. I'm going right to the source. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my, I'm getting educated on the, on the candidates myself through a myriad of different ways. And that's the problem that we have right now. It's the people really are not being, uh, they're not stewarding this. Well. Yeah. Gen Z, they don't care to do their research. Yeah. They're just like, Oh, this guy's well, millennials are the same way. And baby boomers are the same way too. We all mm-hmm. do that. You know? Yeah. I saw just, uh, in the, the, the Senate prime, uh, the Senate primaries going on in Pennsylvania that just happened, uh, this past week. They, uh, there was a guy that was being interviewed uh, on one of the news channels and they were asking like, what, well, what's, um, you know, why did you vote for this one person? And he was like, well, I just, I saw a lot of the ads on TV and I thought the ads were really good and that they were, you know, you know, they just really resonated with, you know, seems like this person is a conservative. And I'm like, boy, if you're going, if you're basing your vote off of TV ads, that's not, that's not going to pan out well for you because people tell you exactly what they need to tell you on mailers and ads um, to get your vote. Mm-hmm. And that's not how, that's not how you should do your research. So I would love to see campaign finance reform. Um, and one of the things, one of the ways that like in Congress, in us here's this, when I ran for Congress in 2020, cause I don't know if people know that about me, but that's what I, I did run for that. I, I ended up doing well. I, I finished three out a third out of 15 candidates and was drastically outspent and outraised in every aspect. The, yeah. Two people that beat me, uh, first place, she spent over a million dollars in the race. And um, the lady in front of me spent about four or $500,000. And most of it was their own money. Like, oh, wow. So they just they just loaned to themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that happens is people, rich people run for office because they can loan themselves. Yeah, you know, they, they can, can write themselves it. a $3 million check. Who was that billionaire that ran uh, in 2020? <laughs> billionaire uh oh on the democrat uh, yeah. side uh bloomberg yeah yeah mike bloomberg yeah mike bloomberg yeah. yeah yeah so yeah billionaire ran wrote himself uh you know behemoth of a check probably raised a little bit too but like not much like mm-hmm. a lot of it was and I, I think he i think he raised or i think he wrote himself essentially close to 500 million dollars oh 500 gosh. million dollars half a billion dollars now he he got about three percent of the vote, which I thought was hilarious. That was a, but but you like and and here's the thing: the Supreme Court has already ruled that you can give yourself as much money as you want because it's a freedom of speech issue. Like they can't tell you where you want to put your money. Yeah, and I get that. I respect that. I think that's actually a good ruling. But I don't think this is what happens. A lot of times, people give themselves money and then they they win the seat. And then what they can do, they can loan, they can pay themselves back over a period of however long for you know years they could just pay themselves so so if i ran and i was a millionaire i could write myself a big enough check to win i could become the incumbent now all the businesses want to give me money right Mm -hmm. all the big like you know big wigs it's easy to raise money well easier to raise money when you're the incumbent yeah then if you're just running as a no-name you know average joe but but when when they now start giving me money as the incumbent guess what i get to do i could take that money write myself a check and say, Oh, I'm paying myself back for when I ran way back 10 years ago in that first election. Right. Yeah. And so I don't, I didn't really have any skin in the game. 
You know, I didn't have any skin in the game because mm-hmm. I got everything back personally. So I think one of the things that should happen is that if you give money to yourself in a campaign, you lose it. Like you can't take it back. I think if you're going to run for office, you need to, like, if you believe in yourself that much, everything you donate to yourself, you're not allowed to pay yourself back. Now you can give it, you can give as much as you want, mm-hmm. but you can't get, you can't, can't ever take it back. It's once it's in, it's gone. It's out of your hands. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that would, that would help in some sense. And then just so you know, when you run for U.S. office, the maximum amount that you're allowed to raise as, like, if you guys jump in and ran for Senate or ran for uh, House, U.S., federal, you're only allowed to raise $2,500 or $2,800. $2,800 per person. So so I could only accept from you, Caleb, $2,800 on my race. If I was running for president and you're like, Micah, I'm a multi-billionaire. I believe in you so much. I want to give you a million dollars. I'd have to say, nope, I'm, I'm only allowed to take $2,800 of your money for this race. Okay? Yeah. So being an average Joe mm-hmm. who like might be an amazing president or amazing senator or amazing House of uh, uh, representative in the House, you're only allowed to go around and get $2,800. But, but then the guy who's like, infinitely wealthy could just write himself a four million dollar check and blow you out of the water because at the end of the day what ha- what's happened is politics campaigning is a marketing competition that's all it is mm-hmm. who can market best who is who can put out the right message and who can sell it best to the voters so that's that is the um uh, th- that's where you know that's that's the problem that's why average yeah. joes can't run you know mm-hmm. so yeah and uh i know we're gonna kind of close on time but real quick what you're saying about most of people are getting their news and their information from advertising. We did a, I don't know if you've seen the movie social dilemma, Micah, but we did an episode oh, yeah. about, um, social media and we're seeing that the money is being poured into social media using that as advertising and governments. There's a country in, uh, Africa who installs Facebook on people's cell phones to influence them and, help with elections. Yeah. Um, so as we're seeing that, that's taking a really big uh, impact on elections here. And, and I think that's, um, that brings up another topic. And how do you protect a business's right to freedom to do what they want to do as a business and yet maintain, uh, maintain security around not them, not being able to tip the balance of an election. And I don't know if there's a good answer to that, but I will tell you this. Um, when it comes to, in our case, this is in Africa, but this is here in the United States, with Facebook, Twitter, you know, uh, like the big platform, social media pra- platforms that people say will influence elections. That's why there's such a hot battle over them right now. And you'll, you'll hear those on the left say, hey, come on, guys, they're a private company. They can do whatever they want, right? Or they're, it's not a government company, so yeah. they're allowed to, if they want to influence an election, they can. Like, they should be allowed to do that. And they're not doing anything illegal. They're not, just because you say, you know, Donald Trump is, you know, this, 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 and this. And, like, they should have the right to be able to say it, even if it's untrue, right? And I actually agree with that. I think, I don't think the government, like this board of misinformation that Biden was supposedly setting up and it just got shot down today. Like, I think they put it on hold because of the concerns around free speech and go figure. Right. I don't think the government should be in the business of telling people what's true and what's not. I think we should be smart enough to understand. I'm going to go out and do my research and figure out if Pizzagate is a real thing or not. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so 
like I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own research. I'm not gonna just gonna jump to conclusions. But but in the case of Twitter and Facebook, here's what I don't like is they are being protected by Section 230 of the the Federal Communications uh, Code, which basically treats Twitter and Facebook and these these big social media platforms like public parks. So they 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 have it absolves them of all liability. So they can't be they can't be held liable. They can't be sued over something bad happening because of what was said on their platform. So they can't. You couldn't sue them even if really. I mean, you could try. It's mm-hmm. probably not going to work because of the protections they're getting in Section two thirty, which is a government given protection. They they have no business receiving that protection. Like they're not. Why doesn't Why doesn't the newspaper, the New York Times, get that same protection? They they can be held. They can be held liable for slander for lying, for saying things publicly that about somebody that aren't true. They've got to do their research as edit, editors and editorial staffs or else they could be sued. But we give Twitter and Facebook and these social media platforms this protection. That's what I don't like. Okay, fine, Twitter. If you want to ban the president of the United States, go for it. But you ain't getting anything from the government. Yeah. All right? Like, you're going to do it all on your own. And what right what they're getting right now is huge, huge protections in Section 230. It's saving them millions upon millions of dollars every year because if they ban if they ban President Trump off of their platform, uh, like they did a few years ago, they, they would have gotten their butts sued off yeah. in court. Now they might have still won, but they would have lost a lot of money defending themselves. Mm-hmm. But because of Section 230, they don't really. There's not really much people can do. So so that's that's the problem I have with it and. And as a constitutionalist, I think that's the that's the right move. So sweet. Thank you for input. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're very welcome. I appreciate it being on. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. saying words like duty and <laughs> and sex. So Whoa. I think we talked about sex earlier, didn't we? Or was uh, that no, was that no. off was that off the air? Oh, that was no. off the air. That was off the air. Oh. Hey, yeah. oh, that's weird. <laughs> Are you sure? No, I think we talked about I'm it on the air. I'm pretty sure we talked yeah. about it. Yeah. We said sex is good, but we wouldn't know. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. You better not know about oh, what uh, it yeah. that is. Hey, last <laughs> last question for uh, Caleb here. All right, Caleb. Um, let me see here. Uh, who was the father of the Constitution? Who is the John, father? No. No, stop. No, 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 it's not John. I said no. It's not John. Thomas Jefferson. No. Father of the Constitution. That's the the independence, right? Declaration of Independence. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Constitution. Constitution, who helped draft, or who was basically accredited for, um, you know, being right, kind of coming up with concepts. I'm just going to name big names. Starts with a James. James ends with Madison. a Madison. Yes, James Madison. Bingo. <laughs> and he's pretty young. I think he was probably in his early 30s. Uh, I think I have to go back and look at that. I think he was in his early 30s when he yeah. wrote, um, when he was yeah, when he was basically crafting the Constitution. And we talked about three branches of government earlier. Do you know where he got the inspiration for the three branches of government? Where, Micah? Where do you think? Eternity. Uh, no, close, but no, not, 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 well, sort of. In a in a weird way, you're right. You're, yeah. Yes, well, no, yeah, but, but sort actually, of. yes. Uh, he got it from Isaiah thirty three twenty two, where the Lord is talking, or where Isaiah is talking about the Lord, and he's and he's he's saying who the Lord is, and he says the Lord is our our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. It is He who will save us. Okay, so so essentially, yes, that is the Trinity, right? Yeah. Like you know, but um, 
But Isaiah 33, 22 gave James Madison the inspiration for the three branches of government. And he saw, and he thought to himself, he said, he said, God is perfect. God can be all those things and rule justly and perfectly. Man cannot, but those are the three things that we need to do if we're going to set up a government. So we need to separate those three things out and they will all hold those three. Those three things will hold each other in check. And so God is our judge. That's the judicial branch. God is our lawgiver. That's the legislative branch and God is our king. That's the executive branch or the president. And so right from Isaiah 33, 22 is where we get this amazing thing called the constitution that has protected our liberties for 234 plus years. You think America has the best government? Uh, I think it's been, it's been proven to be the best government that's been, that's ever been created on this earth, maybe only second to Israel and, and the theocracy under the Hebrew God. And that's not saying I want a theocracy and I don't think America should ever be a theocracy, Mm -hmm. but, um, but that was a special covenant that God had set up and, and God, when God was ruling Israel, it went well. And when he, and when his Kings were, when, when they finally got a King, um, against the will of, of God, but God gave it to him anyway. Um, when the kings would rule justly under the the law of God, then then things went well. But but uh, yeah, as far as like outside of Israel, as far as other governments in the world, we've seen some very successful governments. Uh, but I would say there's nothing quite like the United States and the Constitution because think about how freedom has expanded around the globe since the the formation of the Constitution. Uh, it's like it's unlike. Prosperity and freedom around the globe has set more people, more captives free from tyranny than than you could argue at any other point in world history. But we took pieces of like the Greek Republic, right? Mm-hmm. Like we took pieces of that. Um, the 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 Romans they had they had a you know a republic as well, and um, and so there was there was aspects of different you know pieces from governments that were successful, quote unquote that our founders pulled from. But like I said, I just don't think there's been anything that's even come close to setting those who have been in bondage free like the Constitution of the United States has in all of world history. It's very special. And we can lose it if if your generation doesn't Not pick careful. up the torch. Yeah, yeah. Your generation screwed us, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I would say like you're yeah. not wrong so on that. Can't put all the blame. No, I, it's been a slippery slope, yeah. and we just keep rolling. I think you had the greatest. Okay, so I think you had get traction. You had the greatest. <laughs> you had the greatest generation, which was the World War II generation. And there's this there's this really interesting cycle that happens throughout world history, um, and and it happens about every hundred years. You'll have these really hard times that that hit, and hard times will create strong men. Mm-hmm. And strong men will create good, good times. times. Good times. And good will times will create weak, weak men and weak men create hard times. And so we are mm-hmm. we are we saw with the greatest generation that was a hard time. That was World War II. Very hard time, but it created strong men. Then they came back here, they built amazing they built an amazing society from nineteen fifty to about nineteen ninety. We saw just this epic boom of good of of a strong of a strong man uh, like society. And then from then again, then we got complacent. Then it created really good times, right? Yeah. And then good times created this complacency. And now you're seeing in 2022, you're seeing weak men, like really weak men, and it's leading to. Oh, I can't lift anything. Ouch! I know, right? Well, I'm part. I'm a part of that. Okay, and it's leading to these really. It's re, it's leading. It's going to lead us into really weak times. And you're seeing. Look at a leader like Joe Biden, very weak leader. I don't think anyone would question that. Like even those on the left would say he's very weak. 
But look what's happened. It's created this environment in Russia, in China, in the Middle East, where it's creating hard times for a lot of people because he's a very weak man and very, very weak leader. Mm -hmm. And that's going to, that's going to blow back on us and it's going to create hard times for us too. So, yeah. Well, Micah, thank you for joining us. I'm going to have to cap it there. Ben uh, is so good to have me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know when you start a sentence and you don't know where it's going to go and it's, you're like, I'm just going to see what yeah. happens here. And that was one of those times. But it's no, nice it's so good. Moment. So good to be on the show with you guys. Thanks for what you guys do. And I know I talked a lot, but hopefully it was somewhat insightful and, uh, and you guys learned a little bit today. And I'm super impressed with uh, Ben, your knowledge of the Constitution, and Jacob, your knowledge of the Constitution, too. You guys like know what you're talking about. So, Caleb, <laughs> you're, you're a real nice guy. You're a super, super nice guy. That's the only thing that's going for me. <laughs> no, no, Caleb, you asked some good questions, too. No, no you did. That's it. That's you, good. You're there. Just yeah. a bit. If you want to hear more from Micah, make sure you go check out Jesus, Sex, and Politics. Uh, they're rocking it over there. They're doing pretty well. well that's pretty. Na Pastor Nathan and I. We got some fun guests to come on. Yeah. 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 We yeah. need to have you guys on. No. Yeah. No. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun. If no. Nathan and Jacob, I were here. Jacob, I could do it. Oh, dude. You, you two can do it. I'll, I'll sit. No, <laughs> Caleb, you would be so much fun. That'd be awkward. You'd be so much fun. So. I'm literally there just to make jokes. That's funny. <laughs> uh, make sure you go check us out on Instagram. Uh, DangerZone2022. Um, make sure you follow us. Make sure you're downloading these podcasts. You know, support us. Um, big news coming up: our merch store is going to be launching soon. We have hats, t-shirts, stickers, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Make sure you check that out. We'll post whenever that's up and running. Absolutely sexy items that we have, dude. You're not allowed to say that word. <laughs> I'm like, I'm your pastor, man. Do yeah. not say that word. <laughs> what word? Do you know the S word? The S word. Yeah. I didn't say that. I said sex. <gasps> I said sex. -y. Hey, <laughs> not allowed to say that. It's Your mom's too, listening. It's too close. Fornicating. God did not. Uh, actually, God did create <laughs> sex. Fornicating. Wow. I don't know who Katie is, but if you're a Katie and you're listening, I'm really sorry <laughs> that you heard that and you should be offended right now. Uh, Guys. Uh, Guys, you're gonna get me in trouble here with all, with all your moms. So, <laughs> I better, we should stop. We should yeah, stop. Now. Yeah. End this. Play the outro music, Ben. <laughs> ben. Thank you.